A pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown. Going solo today, Charles Edmond will not be joining us, but still a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, the guest menu looks like this. Jim Kleinpeter, he's a contributing writer for The Advocate that covers Southern University. He'll join me in our number one. Also in our number one, uh, Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. He'll be joining me. Then in our number two, two guests for you. Coach Van Petterway returns to the Coles Brown Show. Uh, he'll be talking some NBA news, the latest news, of course, concerning Kevin Durant. And then also talking about uh, the new hire at uh, Alabama A&M, Director of Athletics. And then last but not least, my colleague, dear friend, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, joins me. And he's going to be talking about the impact of HCU Go, uh, the Allen Media Group, the impact not only with the Southwestern Athletic Conference, but Black College sports as well. That's the guest menu for August the 27th. It's week zero. College football is here. We're going to get into uh, some of the big games, but here's what's trending on uh, the Carlos Brown show. The Swack Miak Challenge is going on today. It's going to be tonight on ESPN and quite simply, my question to you is, can the SWAC get victory number five between the SWAC MIAC Challenge and the Celebration Bowl? There's only, according to my calculations, four wins. Three from Southern University in the SWAC MIAC Challenge, Prairie View against North Carolina Central in the SWAC MIAC Challenge, and then in the Celebration Bowl, one victory. That being Grambling State University, 10 to 9 over North Carolina Central. So desperately, desperately, the SWAT needs to uh, start getting some victories when they're going against their counterpart, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Even the commissioner of the Southwestern Athletic Conference gave a pep talk. Come on, Southwestern Athletic Conference. Let's get it done. Also, what's trending on the Coles Brown Show, Southern Athletics to partner with NOCAP, NIL platform for student athletes. And, and basically, this company has experience. It'll educate the student athletes on uh, getting the deals, doing the homework, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, getting it all done. So that's big news for Southern University uh, athletes. Jaguar football game with Mississippi Valley State will be carried on the ESPN family of networks in November. This game was originally, what, a 4 p.m. game. It's moving up to 2 p.m. Another opportunity for the Jaguars to uh, be on the family of ESPN uh, networks. Paul Bryant selected as the AD. Director of Athletics at uh, Alabama A&M. And that was uh, the, the big announcement this week for Alabama A&M. 
Paul Bryan, of course, uh, has experience in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I'm going to specifically talk with Coach Van Petaway uh, to get his thoughts and perspectives. He's uh, alum of Alabama A&M, of course, former basketball coach. So kind of get his perspective on on that. What, have he, what does he think of, of the hire and, and what are the Bulldog Nation thinking about this uh, critical hire? But uh, he, he does have experience being in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And then last but not least, I work in the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. So I don't know what's going on. So I check my phone and then, wow, breaking news, FAMU, ineligible players, Concerned about will the game be played uh, tonight against the University of North Carolina. Isaiah Lands, among other players, the situation um, with FAMU was just just unbelievable. And it just brought back, for me, flashbacks of Southern University. And Coach Dawson Odoms uh, was the football coach at Southern University, and they're getting ready to uh, – play a game against the University of Louisiana Lafayette and players were held out right before they're getting ready to depart from Baton Rouge Lafayette, Louisiana, maybe 40, 35, 40 minute drive. So just unbelievable what happened. Um, And and this could really, really be uh, disastrous for FAMU. And just kind of uh, talking to different people, trying to get their gauge on the situation. FAMU still, a lot of the alumni are not happy when uh, Courtney Gaucher was no longer at FAMU. And and I'm going to pull up a graphic, not just yet, but it, it had me also thinking about the compliance personnel. And you look at FAMU, they only have one person trying to do all of that. And look, I, I, I feel you, fam, you alum, uh, with Southern University, the same situation. Texas Southern went through uh, compliance issues. Uh, you can name it, Alabama State. But you got to have now resources and you got to invest in getting as many compliance personnel as possible. And then a lot of uh, student athletes are transferring via the transfer portal. Uh, I'm hearing that Alabama A&M may have some issues. Um, Nothing official yet, but the intake process, when the student transfers, what um, grades, the curriculum, you know, they, they may be, say, for example, their degree is in electrical engineering. And then when you transfer, will those credits, will that classwork transfer over? So that's all part of the process and what the intake process, what they do to look at that and make sure the student athletes are eligible. But uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that with FAMU. Each guest that, that uh, comes on, I'll just ask them their, to get their perspective on that situation. So with that being said, let me take a quick, quick time out. When I come back, it'll be more of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. I shall return. 
Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories Officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. This is the dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon, so now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson, like really loves. 
was the human jukebox playing something in my heart and something's in my heart. I, I really feel uh, for fam you. Uh, you're playing up FBS, North Carolina, week zero, and then 20 ineligible players and down to only, what, seven available offensive linemen. That's got to be tough. It, it's tough under normal circumstances. But when this happens, and, uh, oh, boy, like I said earlier, it kind of reminded me of the situation when Coach Odoms at Southern University, they're getting ready to play the University of Louisiana Lafayette. They find out they're not going to have players. And, and, and then uh, Coach Simmons has to calm down. They're going to uh, have a tough time. But you still have to show up and, and play. That was a situation with FAMU in North Carolina. FAMU will play on the ACC Network against North Carolina, but under uh, dire circumstances. Jim Klein-Peter joins me. Jim, good morning. I appreciate you uh, coming on. We're a couple hours early here on the network for this Saturday only, but uh, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. You know I'll get up early to be on your show. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Jim, before we get into the Southern situation and, and you know, a week from today, they're getting ready to open up week one against Florida Memorial. The FAMU situation, that is just, I can only say wild and unbelievable. Can I get your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, obviously a failure of their administration. Uh, it's not uh, something that uh, you usually don't see that. But I, I think it, it probably points to this new this new college football world we're dealing with, where where so many schools are bringing in so many more transfers now that their uh, compliance offices probably can't handle it. Um, and you know, compliance offices that are probably understaffed. Um, but there's really, I, I mean, there's no excuse for it coming up two days before the game, though. I mean, if mm -hmm. you know you're going to have this problem, uh, you, you, got, you should be taking measures a little bit sooner. Um, I don't know all the details. I don't know the inside story on it, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's something that may happen to somebody else. It may happen, um, just because of the, the, the numbers of transfers, uh, schools are bringing in, it's just, uh, so much more to process and, uh, so much more homework to do. Yes. Um, a quote from, uh, coach Willie Simmons, the players didn't feel comfortable playing under those conditions and they all are understandably frustrated with many of our internal process in the certification process. So they decided not to play. After a few more discussions with the university leadership, including the president of the university, the players ultimately decided to play the game. I support these young men 100% and whenever they decide, and I'm extremely proud of them for advocating for themselves. And, uh, Jim, compliance personnel, the way I, I term it, uh, the, the certification process, I'm going to put up a graphic. And you kind of, and Stan Beckton um, tweeted this information, and you can kind of see how many how many personnel, how much personnel you have in the, in, in the intake process, the certification process. 
and uh, Melanie, if you can put it up, but Southern University, you know, Texas Southern, Alabama State went to the situation. Uh, Southern University has, as, as you can see, uh, the number of personnel, four. Howard has four. Um, so when you look at that, you have to see North Carolina Central three, uh, Alcorn one, Alabama and them one, UAPB two, Bethune Cookman two, and you see FAMU one, Grambling State one. Um, to everyone's point, and thank you, Melanie. To everyone's point, you've got to make an investment and 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 get qualified people in the uh, academic and the certification process. And then with the resources, you got to have to pay them a good salary because Jim, that's a tough job. I, I would have thought I would yeah, think from the outside looking in. Yeah, and there, and there's another failure here. It's uh, the fact that they had to backtrack and change their minds and say, yeah, we're going to play. Uh, this should have been a discussion that involved the football coach, the athletic director, the, the university president, or his representative. So uh, changing your horse in midstream this close to the game. Um, them um back in 2010 lsu was playing north carolina coincidentally north carolina hmm. and north carolina had uh 14 or 15 ineligible players right before found out they were ineligible right before that game and uh, it was uh it, several starters uh, uh several of their best players and uh you know so it does happen but that, <laughs> I mean, that just that's the kind of thing you just can't allow that to happen. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody loses their job over it. And according to some people I talked to, Coach Simmons is not happy at all. And, and former director of athletics, Courtney Gauthier, uh, a lot of the FAMU alum, they were not happy after uh, he resigned. And so there needs to be a situation where they need to gather the troops Make an investment and correct this situation, uh, but I, I, you know, I feel real ter terrible for uh, the FAMU uh, uh, alum and, and graduates and supporters. Now on to uh, Southern University, and um, they're getting ready. One week from today, hopefully, it won't be raining at, at game time, but. The way the, the, the weather has been in the rain here, they've been practicing in the rain. Um, kind of, Jim, tell us where where you think Southern is at one week from their season opener. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, uh, Coach Dooley is very, very uh, – he likes to play it close to the vest. He, he will not admit that he's got a starting quarterback picked out. And I don't think there's any doubt that Tom McRae is going to be the starting quarterback. He just doesn't want to say it. But that's that old coaching paranoia about keeping it competitive. He wants the backups to continue to compete. Um, but uh, I think, you know, they know the truth. So, uh, but he won't name a starter. He's not going to name a starter before the game. He's, he's going to let us find out on game day exactly who it is. But, I, you know, it's hard to tell. I, I see them. We watch about, we get to watch about 45 the first 45 minutes of practice, uh, there's not a whole lot you can tell. They're organized. They, you know, they, they run their practices well. Um, 
you know, they've got some spirit. I think they're happy. I think that I know the offensive players or the wide receivers, especially are jubilant about this offense. It's just going to, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fast. And uh, there's going to be lots of work for everybody because, you know, when you run this many plays and you run them fast, you, you end up with maybe 80 plays a game. And, you know, that's, that's, 15 or 20 more than than uh, a regular game that Southern used to play when they would run the ball and huddle and, and take their time. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. The biggest thing is going to be how does the defense uh, respond to, you know, maybe being on the field, uh, you know, short, you know, two-minute drives by the offense and then the defense is on the field. So uh, – that it's going to be mean that the defense is going to have to be really be in great condition. Well, I'll preface this by saying to your point, yes, coach Duda plays it uh, to, to, to the vents. Um, just talking to some people and I agree just in my opinion, I think McCray gets, gets the snaps, but if everything goes according to plan with game one, because they're going to be a heavily favorite, you'll see multiple quarterbacks, Harold Blood. I've been told that he has made tremendous progress and is it, and we can speculate I guess, is it safe to consider to say that uh, Harold Blood should get the snaps, the most snaps, number two shall I say it, after uh, McCray? I think that's what will happen and I think we'll see him in the first game. Uh, He's a little bit more along the model that uh, uh, Eric Dooley wants in his quarterback. He's probably more more so than Bashawn McCray. Bashawn McCray is about 5'10". And I think you saw what happens when you got a 5'10 quarterback in that scrimmage. You had three passes on the first two drives blocked at the line of scrimmage. So that's going to be an issue for Southern as long as he's playing. Blood's a little bit – Blood's about four or five inches taller – um, he's, he may not be as fast or, or as, uh, as quick a, a runner, but he can run and he's probably a better runner than Bubba McDaniel, which is why he's moved up to number two. So, um, you know, this, Bashan McRae is, is your guy, uh, and, um, blood has been around, this is his third year. So, uh, he's, you know, a lot of times just being in college for two years helps the guy. It's not how much, how many snaps you've taken in a game or anything like that. Uh, it's how long have you been around? How much have you matured? And and he's been around. He's seen, you know, three different coaches, and he's uh, he's probably matured uh, in in uh, non uh, in ways not uh, on the field. Well, it's going to be interesting, and and even if you look. Just by the eye test, Noah Bowden, um, wow, big kid, about 6'4". I think I, they haven't listed at 218. I, he's very solid. I, I'm not going to debate on a few pounds extra, but uh, I, I think by the spring, then having the spring under his belt, I think it looks well for the future where he'll, he'll be com- competitive. What are your thoughts on him? You've seen him. In person, um, what what stands out to him? What stands out to you about him? He's got a strong arm. That's one thing. He's um, 
he's a good leader. He he was a he, he won a lot of games in high school. Uh, I talked to his coach when they signed him, uh, Steve Robichaux, and he just just glowed about him. What a what a good uh, you know what a good kid he was. He's he's got that classic quarterback mentality. You know that's what you want. You you really have to have that first because it doesn't matter how much talent you have if you can't lead a team. Um, you know, you're not going to last long. And I think that's one of the reasons Bashawn McCray is the starter right now. Uh, he's a little bit more of a, a better leader right now. And um, to that point, I think Harold Blood, you know, it may be a lot more competitive next year when they uh, he could beat out Bashawn McCray next year. Uh, be, you know, especially if he gets, if he has to come in and play some this year, if he can get some practical experience, on the field, swack experience, uh, it would go a long way. Uh, of course, Bashan McRae, as far as I'm concerned, is the starter until further notice. I'm not saying that he's, he's going to ever lose the job, but I think you, you could definitely say. And then Noel Bodden's the same thing. I mean, there's a kid who has had uh, swack snaps. He's uh, been on the field. He's, he's got a very strong arm. He's got the strongest arm, I think, uh, of the of the five quarterbacks. So, um you know that if they all stay around, it's going to be very, very competitive, especially next year. Yeah, and competition is is a big thing. Visiting with uh, Jim Klein, Peter, contributing writer for the Advocate, covers uh, Southern University. Um, in one of your articles, you you talked about, of course, and you've been doing a piece by piece, you know, with the different units of the football team, but o- offensive line, a lot of people perhaps uh, thinking, do they need to rebuild there? But in my opinion, Jim, I, I think they're pretty pretty solid. O-line is still going to be a strong unit. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they, the good thing that, that's happened, and they had a couple of guys injured. That's never good when people are injured, but they've been having to play some backups in there uh, in the scrimmage. They didn't have their two guards, Bernard Childs and um, – uh, Brian Williams both sat out the scrimmage, um, so uh, they got uh, uh, they got they got some depth working there. Uh, and uh, let me if if I can uh, check my roster here on the names. I, I'm still Tyree yeah, Wade. He's a transfer from Grambling. Uh, apparently, right. he's been very impressive. And then um, uh, Eli Fields has been playing some at guard. He's a transfer. And then um, there's another guy, uh, uh, Travion Garrett Newsom. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Dallas Black told me, watch out for him. He's he's going to play. You know, he's really had a good camp. Uh, he's, you know, not one of the guys that, that was projected a starter. But um, they should be getting their, their injured starters back in time for the game and uh, in time for the first game. So uh, we'll see where they are on those guys. But I think it's going to be another strong unit. They're going to have a different – they're not going to be um, – they're going to ha- they're going to have to be a little more finesse. Uh, they're not going to be a, a road graders like uh, they were under uh, Odoms and last year with under Rollins where – you know, they're going to be running the ball between the tackles most of the time. These guys are going to have to be able and, – and it's harder for the offensive linemen that these um, hurry-up offenses, 
you know, they they're carrying a lot more weight. They've got a, you know, after a 30 yard pass, they got to hustle up, up the field. <laughs> you know, it's harder on them to do that. The wide receivers are already down there and the, and the running backs are, they're about 200 pounds. So they're not carrying 300 pounds. Uh, and, and all the whole game, they're going to be having to hustle down the field. So I think you might see Southern uh, have a rotation of offensive linemen just to keep fresh legs in the game and, and, and so they don't get worn out. Uh, but building depth, is it looks like it's been one of their priorities. And, and Jim, um, just listening to you, it reminds me, and you can kind of tell Coach Dooley, uh, the influence of Coach Pete Richardson, because when he was on the staff previously, Southern would rotate. Talking to Coach Miller, the same thing defensively. They believe in uh, – uh, quality and depth. And, and listening to you, I think you'll see that, you know, particularly in the first couple of games. I, I even believe, of course, in game two against LSU, um, they're going to they're gonna use that. And, um, and, and, you know, they'll need it, of course, playing up. But uh, offensive line, pre- pretty, pretty good and solid is a term I would use. Receivers and then – D-line. I, I get some questions about the receivers, but um, I, I tend not to worry about that as the fan part of me because Coach Dooley, a, a, a former receiver and a former receiver's coach, I, I think the cupboard is not there in that room. And then D-line is another uh, situation that you get a lot of comments about, but it's not of worry. It's more of how impressive and the potential that the defensive line has. Yeah, as far as the receivers, I think it's going to be like I just said about the offensive line. Um, they're going to probably play as many as nine or ten a game. Uh, and uh, I think you throw tight ends in there with them because the tight ends, you, you put a tight end on the field and the, and the defense doesn't know if you're going to line him up tight and run the ball or if he's going to split out. And when you got a guy like Ethan Howard and this guy Dupree Fuller, these, are, these guys are like uh, hybrids. And so – you can do a lot with them, and you can uh, you can confuse the defense as to what you're uh, what you're trying to do. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. And they got some big ones, and they got some short ones. They got some slot receivers, but they got guys you can throw it up uh, 50-50 balls, and they'll go get it. Uh, you know, six four, six three guys, uh, and you need those, especially in the red zones where they're effective. The defensive line, I, I, I like what's going on there. They've got uh, – uh, this kid, Trey Lang, has been – I don't know if you would say he's been a big surprise, but he's a good pass rusher. And I get the feeling that um, even though they keep telling us that uh, that uh, J- Jordan Lewis is still a defensive end, um, I think he's going to play more at linebacker than at defensive end. I think in some packages, some third down packages, they're going to put him at defensive end. And uh, and let him rush the passer um, with Trey Lang on the other side, and then you know maybe uh, Dumas and, and and Peterson in the middle, so um, to push the pocket. But that's going to give them so much more flexibility uh, having him um, at linebacker because he can make play. He doesn't have to just rush the passer to be making plays. He's got speed. He'll 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 run people down. He should be able to. Uh, he should be a good coverage guy you know, covering a back uh, out of the backfield. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how what, what happens to Jordan Lewis. I really think he's going to end up playing more linebacker than, than defensive line. 
Yeah, because what their scheme is a four two five, and is there any truth to um, Lane in some packages? Maybe playing a little linebacker, or that's just kind of more just Jordan Lewis. Um, you know, well, I think it would be. I think for Lang, he he could he he might play a stand up end, but I mean he's a good pass rusher. You want him rushing the passer, uh, and I and I think uh, what they'll do what what he'll do is uh, it'll if he makes a few plays early in the season, teams won't be able to double team Jordan if he, if Jordan's on the other side rushing the passer. So uh, you know, so you you you'll have him in there, and and you'll have another threat. So uh, it'll be something for opposing defense to contend with. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of him. He's going to play a lot. Yeah. Um, very athletic, speed, uh, great bookends, if I can use that term, with, with Jordan Lewis. And, and then and Dumas, I was going back and looking at some of uh, the games with Prairie View last year. I mean, uh, even against the Texas A&M, he did very well. And he's quick, super strong, and um, – when you hear that Coach uh, Dooley says the front seven, Coach Miller says the front seven is the strongest part of the defense, Jim, I have to agree. But uh, what do you think? I, I'm with you on that. Uh, when you get to an all-swack defensive tackle, and he's a guy that uh, he's not that big. He, I, they, they list him, I think they list him at 260s. I don't even think he's, I don't think he's 260, but he's just so quick and he anticipates the snap count. He's in the backfield a lot. Uh, he's the kind of guy that he may not make a tackle, but he'll blow up a play just by being in the backfield when he's not supposed to be. And it allows other, other people to make plays. And that's why you, you look at his tackle totals and they're not that high. But, but man, he, he, you almost have to double-team him, and you have to be quick on the double-team. Uh, and, I mean, Cameron Peterson is, is underrated, and he's going to probably end up having a good year because Jason Dumas is playing next to him. Yeah. Um, you won't be able to double-team Jordan Lewis, and that is one of the advantages of having uh, Jason on that defensive line. Two more quick things, two points for you. I love, and I call them all my adopted sons. The the, the special teams unit, I've had, I had every one of them on the show, and they told me, Mr. Carlos, we're going to surprise some people. We're going to be very good. Great article on, on the special teams play, and I'm going to predict right now. I know the cliche is they'll win or lose uh, a game if, you know, special teams play, but I think they're going to win a couple of games because of special teams. But uh, great story on, on those guys. Talk about that, then the secondary. A lot of competition there. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Luke Jackson, uh, he showed everybody last year, six out of eight from 40 yards. He kicked a game winner. I think that was Southern's first game-winning field goal in eight, like eight years or something like it was, it was a long time since they'd won a game with a, a with a walk-off field goal like that. And that tells you the guy, the, the kid can handle the pressure. And then he kicked two 40 yarders against Grambling in, in, in the, um, in the Bayou Classics. So they're, they're in good hands right there. And then the, the backup kicker has a strong leg. He's a left footer, um, Josh Griffin, uh, one of the best kickoff guys in the conference. He puts it in the end zone. I mean, that's a great weapon. 
Uh, I mean, so they got a great special teams. And then Robin's bow plan um, is a guy that uh, uh, he doesn't, he, he, his, his average was 37 yards, but that's, that's really what you want. You want him if you can get a 37 to 40 yard punt with no return, that's about the best you can hope for. Uh, punt returns are so dangerous. You know, you got to be careful not to outkick your coverage because then you you know, your defense is spread out all over the field and you got guys that are uh, linemen that are blocking and they're not good at open field tackling. So you've got to get that, that punt returner down with uh, there's like six or seven guys that, that they're the ones that are going to have to make the play because the rest of the, the guys are, are, are really not um, suited for um, open field tackling. So uh, if they can get uh, the same performance he gave Alcorn last year, I think, um, I think Southern will be fine. They got and and they like their their deep snapper. They've all they're, they're getting to know their new deep snapper. Um, Braxton, uh, let's see what is his last name. Braxton um, Braxton Blackwell. Blackwell. Yeah, so um, I, I think they're they're pretty much set there. Um, the secondary. This this is this is a. I'm going to learn a lot in the first game about the secondary because they played so many. They must have played 16 different defensive backs in, in the scrimmage, and I just couldn't keep up with them all. Um, you know, they, they were they, they're a much better tackling group. I will tell you that right now. A much better tackling group than Southern had in the secondary last year. Um, they've got uh, they got guys that can play the corner and safety. So uh, the matchups, I don't think – um, I don't think the matchups are going to be as big a problem and you can run people in there. Uh, you know, you can use depth. The secondary is the place where you want to use some depth because those guys are running the whole game. You know, even if the ball's not coming into their territory, they've got to chase the receiver. They may be chasing the receiver, you know, on a 40 yard, uh, bluff pattern or, or whatever. So, um, you know, you got to have uh, good condition guys there and you got to have a lot of them, uh, I, I I think they should be fine, but uh, we just don't know because we haven't seen them put to the test. Well, on that note, and I, and I would agree, it, it's so many, but, you know, if I can say this, a good problem to have, not, a, not enough is not good. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have more than uh, Coach Miller, also the cornerback coach, defense coordinator, uh, they will have uh, – a lot at their hands to, to utilize a lot of depth. And of course, we'll just have to wait to see game day, <laughs> the starting units, because yeah, coach Dooley is a very calculated coach. You're not going to get a whole lot of extra, but he, he reminds me of his mentor, coach Pete Richardson. <laughs> yeah, coach Richardson yeah. after the tape goes off is when you get all the good stuff. But mm. when, you know, you, you're writing the article, you're getting the interview. He's going to just give you that and no extra. Well, Southern had better depth last year. They would have gone seven and four instead of four and seven. There were three games that they lost because they were playing people that weren't SWAC quality players. And because of, because of injuries, they were decimated on defense and, um, that's why you lose, you know, you, you, you lead McNeese at halftime and you, you don't do anything in the second half. You, you can't stop. Uh, same thing with uh, Jackson State. You know, you, you're winning in the fourth quarter and you can't hold the lead. And it's, you know, you're either you got guys either getting worn out or they're hurt and they can't. Uh, I think Cameron Peterson didn't play in the fourth quarter against Jackson State. So 
if they can develop the developing depth probably was his number one thing even before finding a quarterback yeah quality plus quantity two words that hopefully will help southern university in this upcoming season but this time next week uh just kind of looked at the forecast uh think a 60 percent chance of rain uh what else is new huh jim 25 yeah. 26 days 24 days of rain straight rain uh, hopefully the rain comes early next saturday and uh for game time it'll just be overcast or partly cloudy any closing comments jim and we appreciate your time as always no i'm you know it's just, it's the time of year that everybody we all love you know we we can't wait for that first game i always say that that last week this past week is the one that goes by the slowest because it's the last week yeah. before game week and you're all written out you've said everything you've talked about everything twice and um so you just want to see a game finally it's like the game is like your reward at the end of the week so uh that's where i'm at i'm i'm, I'm all fired up about that and, and getting into game week next week yeah, well, I'll sit back and watch some games week zero. Uh, got a chance to see some uh, talented high school teams uh, on ESPN uh, last night. And this weekend, they're going to be a plethora of games. So sit back, get in the man cave if you have one, and just enjoy it. But, uh, Jim, appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, we'll see each other real soon, and we'll talk real soon as well. It was my pleasure, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. That was uh, Jim Klein-Peter, covers uh, Southern University Athletics for the Advocate Contributor Writer. Um, I'm not going to take a timeout. I think BJ is logged in, and uh, we'll join him on the conversation. Uh, Brandon, BJ Jones. I've kind of been getting some um, text messages uh, about the family situation and uh, my colleague Brian Fulford wanted me to uh, and we'll do it in a little bit a little bit later talking about uh, more about when, when Southern University was faced with uh, their situation and uh, now how when you look at it they they've got four uh, people persons dedicated to compliance issues and and now that I'm thinking about it I'm going to extend the invitation to uh, one or two of them and really get them on the show and ask them uh, what is a typical day in their work duty. I, I'm just thinking it is really, it is really a, a tough job. And I'm going to say this, uh, you've got to invest in compliance personnel and then you've got to give them a quality quality salary i'm thinking you know, maybe i shouldn't say but well i'll just leave it at that as far as uh, paying them and getting the proper personnel in that have expertise in compliance issues because this certification process is is it's it's so important and if you kind of look at, at famu if they don't get Isaiah Lyons back, and I, and I read they were trying to get him uh, certified for next week, if they don't, you've got 20 uh, people ineligible. Then week two is Jackson State. Oh, my goodness. It was going to be tough anyway, but under this situation, wow. 
you just got to feel for FAMU. I think now I will take a timeout. When I come back, I'll be joined by Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. He'll break down the SWAC MEAC Challenge. Can the SWAC get a victory? Alabama State versus Howard. We'll also, uh, he usually has a top five he gives out on Twitter, in the Twitter space. We'll ask him about that and um, just his thoughts of um, the week before game day for Southern University quarterback situation, et cetera, et cetera. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah. It's ballpark season. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Newman College is an HBCU in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we prepare students for a different world. Stillman is a college of distinction for last year and this year. Our largest majors are business and biology, followed closely by psychology, criminal justice, and history for pre-law, communications, English, and religion. Our newest degree programs are in the Department of Computational Sciences, which covers cybersecurity, data analytics, and math. The Biomedical Academy prepares students for competitive entry into health professions and graduate programs. We have established summer biomedical research internships with major research institutions, such as the University of Alabama, Drexel and Temple Universities in Philadelphia, the Salk Institute in San Diego, California, and the Universities of Florida, Indiana, and Iowa. We became creative with social distancing and masks for the pandemic. Our students enjoy movie nights at the stadium and the new Melissa N. Davis Legacy Courtyard where you can eat and enjoy friends. We have the Divine Nine Greek Letter Organizations, student government leadership and ambassadors. Our small class sizes, nurturing faculty, and friendly environment let you know that Black Lives Matter at Stillman College each and every day. Applications are free. Sign up at discover.stillman.edu. Complete the contact card and apply today. Stillman College, where we prepare students. 
for a different world. At Tyson, we know taste is local. Some like their beef pit smoked, their chicken spiced all the way up, or their pork sweet and saucy. Local flavors, global impact. That's what feeding the world is all about. Nope. Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the Law Office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. This week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. 
We're on today from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, but next week we'll go back to our regular scheduled time. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Someone is driving my next guest, but he's here. Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. B.J., good morning to you, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Carlos, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going well for me. I'm excited. Week zero, college football. You got high school football. You got a lot of stuff going on. I'm just happy, man. Happy. Football is here. The most wonderful time of the year, as I call it. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Well, we've got you on uh, once again. The contract has been signed. You officially, <laughs> again, the Coles Brown Show's HBCU football analyst for this year. We appreciate that as well. It was uh, another tough negotiating period, but hey, let me move on. <laughs> we've, got it. we've got it done. SWAT MEAC Challenge, Alabama State and Howard. Four victories between the Celebration Bowl and the Swag Miag Challenge. Break down this game. My simple question, can the Swag get a victory today, tonight? Well, the simple answer to that question is going to be a resounding, yes, the Swag could get a victory tonight. You look at Alabama State, uh, you look at the talent that they brought in, uh, they're a talented football team. We don't know much about this football team. Eddie Robinson's never been a head coach before. Uh, he's coming into his first uh, contest. But uh, up at Howard, man, if you look at that football team, they were close last year. They were close, and there was a lot of youth on that football team. We're talking about one of the youngest teams uh, in the MIA, uh, along with North Carolina Central, uh, was Howard. And what Larry Scott has brought to that program he has really energetic that has energized that program through recruiting. Um, the number of three stars that they're signing, particularly out of, out of the state of Florida, um, to go along with the talent that they already had. Uh, Howard's a dangerous program, and I got a chance before I left Alabama, uh, Atlanta yesterday to talk to some Howard people that I ran into in the airport, and they were saying that this is the game that they've circled because Howard doesn't get a lot of respect from a football standpoint. And they've circled this game as a game to now I'm going to make you respect me. And that's how Howard fans and this program, that's how they're looking at Alabama State is that we've been waiting on this opportunity and now we've gotten it. And I'm not sure if Alabama State goes into this game with that same mentality. And if they don't come into this ball game with that same mentality, they'll lose tonight. Offense, advantage who? Howard. Howard had the second best offense in the MEAC um, a year ago. Uh, so offensively, it's Howard. Defense. Got to go Alabama State. Uh, one one constant at, at Alabama State is that defense is going to be good. They might not do a lot offensively, but defensively, they're going to be solid. So I'm going to go Alabama State on that one. Special teams. A lot of people don't think about it or – or look at it, but advantages and disadvantages. Special teams, who would you give the advantage to? Going to go Alabama State again. Howard's special teams a year ago was atrocious. Um, they missed extra points. They missed field goals, uh, which came back to bite them 
uh, which which gave them a, a few extra losses. I mean, you look at their three point losses that they had. Uh, so I'm gonna go Alabama State on that. Now I think I know the answer of this one. We're doing another quick checklist. Um, coaching staff. Eddie Robinson. Oh, it's gonna be. Go ahead, BJ. If, if, you, if you're going to coach yourself, I got to go Larry Scott and his guys. Um, Larry Scott, you look at the, the road that he's taken to become the head coach at at, um, at Howard, interim head coach at that Florida, uh, you know, position coach at Florida. He's, you know, he's cut his teeth, you know, at the power five level, got some very talented um, uh, assistants on that staff. Yeah, I'm going to have to go, uh, I'm going to have to go Howard as far as the coaching staff, and it pains me. Because my high school teammate is offense coordinator um, at uh, at uh, Alabama State, Harry Williams. Interesting, and, and, and you know, you, you talk about game day preparation and and on the sideline, we'll we'll get a chance to see Alabama State how they conduct themselves, you know, on on, on the sideline, getting plays in in a, in a, in a great in great times getting in quickly and, and, you know, even special teams with third down, uh, if you don't get it, getting ready to run off the, the, the special teams unit. So you, you'll be looking at uh, some of those situations as well. BJ Jones likes who in this ball game? Uh, I'm leaning Howard. I, I think that there's something to be said about the majority of your team coming back with a staff that knows them. Uh, Alabama State, everything is so new, so many unknowns. And Eddie Robinson was a heck of a football player in his day at Alabama State. But to go into this ball game, never coached before on any level, that's a big ask uh, for one Eddie Robinson. And, you know, it, it, it reminds me, BJ, of the discussions. You know, uh, a high-profile name, if I can use that term, but no – no. Um, Coaching experience. We've seen that before, right? In the, in the, in the mm-hmm. conference, uh, albeit coaching experience on the high school level. But you know, I, I think a lot of people believe that that is the way to go, and I I don't really think that way. I believe in giving um, coaches that have gone through the process, they've done their homework, and they're just looking for what an opportunity. I, I look at those coaches, and I, and I know several are ready for the opportunity, but the trend is now to go to a high-profile coach. But yep. I'll disagree to disagree on that one, BJ. That's just, just my opinion. Your, your thoughts on that? You're in the coaching profession. I know, BJ, if you want to one day, you would like to, 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 to aim higher as far as coaching. But you're you're going through the process of getting it done, and then you don't get the opportunity. I think there's something to be done uh, to be said about guys who cut their teeth uh, and put in the work uh, and and earn. I mean, and basically they earn the 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 right to get an opportunity, as opposed to getting someone because they have a name or cachet that hadn't put in that sweat equity. So I definitely feel for those guys because at the HBCU level, particularly. that that position coach, those are our, those are our future head coaches. You look at uh, Coach yeah. Dooley at Southern University when I was a receivers coach, then offensive coordinator, then you know, it's that natural level of progression that that you won't have. 
And I talked to your head coach at Southern University about about this, Coach Pete Richardson, the legend. And, uh, you know, he he echoed the same uh, sentiments that you go through the process and you just need to get an opportunity. But every institution has to make their own situation, their own decision. So with that being said, you like Howard. You like Howard mm-hmm. in the Smack Challenge. Well, if that happens, BJ, there won't be a fifth victory for the Southwestern Athletic Conference. But I, <laughs> I, I hope I'm I'm pulling for Alabama State. My heart says it, but my head says Howard may just be too much. Your top five, and you still reveal that on Twitter on Tuesday. So with that, top five said, Tuesday. Top five Tuesday. Your initial week zero top five in HBCU. Well, uh, for for the top five in the five spot, I went Alabama A and M. In the uh, four spot, um, I uh, have uh, North Carolina A and T. In the uh, three spot, um, I had FAMU. In the two spot, South Carolina State, and then the number one team uh, was the Tigers of Jackson State. Um, I, I think it's going to be some movement early on. There's a couple yes. more things we're going to talk about. One being your thoughts on the family roster issues. But before then, I had Jim Klein-Peter on, your alma mater, Southern University. We had an interesting uh, discussion yesterday. We want to reveal everything on that discussion, BJ. But the quarterback situation at Southern University, your former athlete, on the collegiate level, week before the opener, how put us in a mindset where the team is at now. I know they're anxious to get started, to hit somebody, to play against somebody in a different uniform. But uh, the week before game day, game week, or game Saturday, how do you think the guys are feeling? Man, you 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 fired up this week, man. The, the, the logos have, have gone, the decals have gone on the helmet, so it feels real. Uh, you know, everything you've gone through through the spring and the summer, man, that you're almost to that point. Uh, to You're ready to put in the work and show everybody, everyone uh, what kind of football team that you are. Um, I think it's going to be uh, a very interesting week. This is like, Jim Klein-Peter said it the best. This is always the longest week. Uh, you yeah. get here and – uh, but this is the longest week, and, and it's going to be very interesting. We talk about that quarterback position at, at, at Southern University. Coach Julius said he's not going to make an announcement, uh, which which was expected from me. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see who rolls out there and how different offensively Southern looks up under Coach Dooley and a new quarterback, uh, you know, under center. BJ, that's an understatement. Night and day. <laughs> Here's the adjectives that I described Southern's offense the last – for years, run on first down, run on second down, second and long, then we have to pass, and then we're going to mm-hmm. involve the tight end. Now, with this offense, which we will see next Saturday, defenses have a lot more to think about. They'll have to defend everything in the arsenal. And with Southern's off, offense, I think you're going to still see balance. Balance, BJ. 
do you disagree with me or agree? Because people are trying to tell me it's going to be throwing 80% of the time. I'm not just sold on that, the 80%. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Coach Dooley's offenses, they've he's always had one of the top rushing offenses in the conference from his time at Prairie View, uh, from his time at Arkansas Pine Bluff, from his time at Grambling. Hey, he runs the football. Uh, the one Ye Tucker, uh, uh, the Carter kid at Grambling, he's had running backs and he uses them. And this year he will have a plethora of backs uh, to use at Southern University. Now, Kobe Dillon's situation. Again, we know Coach Dooley keeps a lot to the vest. Um, he's guarded what he gives out. But um, just talking to my sources, uh, Kobe Dillon's injured. But with that being said, to your point, the room is stacked and it is loaded. I think Southern University still will be explosive in the running back room, despite the injury uh, to Kobe Dillon. I agree. I think you still have J.J. Sims. Uh, you have the the league gun kid that just came in. Uh, you also have a JUCO transfer. Uh, that came in as well, man. There's a lot of talent um, at the running back position um, at Southern. So I think at that particular uh, that position in particular, it's going to be next man up. Yeah, and, and you usually don't like to give accolades uh, ahead of time, but uh, I call Kendrick Ryan's baby AK, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Because he, you look at his film and you, you utilize him coming out of the backfield. You know running back will be involved in the offense. You have uh, my personal favorite, and again, I'll just be honest, Dupree Fuller Jr. at tight end. I think you could be utilized mm -hmm. as a back. He's a hybrid tight end uh, position. So Coach Dooley will be like a kid in a candy shop. When he goes in and he sees all the plethora of sweets, that's how Coach Dooley, the offensive guru, will, will look at uh, of that uh, room. BJ, switch to the family situation. Roster issues. I've, I've stated how I felt about this. It's just a bad time and a horrible situation. Just a horrible situation. Your thoughts on the family roster issue? I think that it shows um, basically a lack of commitment, and that, that goes from the top, uh, the president. Um, that, that falls on the, the shoulders of the president. Anytime you have a Division One institution that doesn't have anyone working compliance for months on end, and your solution to the issue is to pull someone from financial aid to work compliance, you kind of get these things. And if you're going to be in the business of Division One athletics, you have to handle yourself like an institution that's in the business of Division One athletics. We cannot continue to treat athletics as is it as is it's a recreational sport. Um, and, and, and when we do that, we do a disservice to our kids, our alumni, uh, and, and ultimately it takes a hit. Uh, so not only the reputation of the school, but rep the reputation of HBCUs across the board, because the story is not going to be it was just FAMU. It's see the HBCUs are doing it again. And you, you have to be careful with that. And uh, it's time out for that. We, we we've seen this story play out and we have to get serious. If we're not going to be serious about uh, competing and playing the Division One uh, athletics, drop down Division Two. You can still keep athletics, but you can play Division Two. Um, so, you know, that that's my, my take on it. Take slash rant. But I agree 100%. 
Um, appreciate everybody's watching in. Uh, I'm going to uh, read Chad Cooper's uh, comment. And he says, good morning, Carlos. Institutions must invest in compliance employees. They're just as important as the NIL emphasis. And, and BJ, I, I think you have to really invest. And uh, I put mm-hmm. up a graphic earlier. Um, you look at Southern University. Remember the issues that they had when Coach Odoms w- was here running the football program. Um, they've invested. Now they have four uh, people in compliance that'll handle that. And, and quite honestly, you couldn't you could use more. But then you kind of look mm-hmm. at some of the teams that family won. That's just that's unconscionable. You're right. Mm-hmm. So make an investment, resources, and then you have to get people who have expertise in certification. And then yes. pay them accordingly. And that means pay them a not a decent, but a very good salary. Because Absolutely. they are part of the team. Team athletics, team university. So they only got one. One. Shame on them. And Southern learned the hard way. Yes. Not only Southern, Texas Southern, Alabama State, but Dr. McClellan, when he was the director of athletics, they made the investment into getting more personnel to handle that. And FAMU, the last APR news came out, football program was 901. Mm-hmm. 930 is the minimum. You're just seeing the perfect storm as far as it's not going to be good. It is right. not going to be good. And BJ, I don't know if you heard this, um, but Coach Simmons is very upset. According very. One of my sources, he, he was that close to just, you know, resigning. Yeah, so I, I I feel for fam you, and it's not to make light of anything that they're going through because being a Southern alum, I understand, but you got to make the investment. We've gone through it, yeah, yeah, and and other institutions, but you must invest in the resources to 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 get it done. BJ, closing comments, if you care to make hey. some. Man, look, I appreciate you having me, man. I know it was a uh, kind of difficult, man. I'm here in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, man. Un- unfortunate circumstances. I uh, had an aunt to pass. So here, man, at the barbershop, man, trying to get ready for the funeral uh, coming up here shortly. But, uh, man, I just want to um, – my aunt towed into your show all the time to, to, to catch me uh, on here with you. So, uh, man, it, it's crazy, man, doing the show today without her. Uh, so, I mean, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate everybody reaching out, your thoughts and your prayers, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on in a tough time, and uh, thoughts and prayers uh, to you and, and the family. Um, don't know the particulars, but, you know, we often talk about when someone passes away. I use the term uh, journey well, and, and although they're, she's not here physically, she'll still be with you in spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the way to look at it. Appreciate her tuning in. And, uh, man, you take care. Uh, Godspeed on your return back. And uh, appreciate appreciate the time. All right, man. See you next week. All right. See you next week. Take care. That was Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU uh, Sports. Want to say good morning 
to everyone that is tuning in, Johnny Johnson, Chuck Hunt, Michael Jones, Johnny Johnson Jr., Chad Cooper, colleague A.K. Drew, G. Boom Howard, Barrick Williams, Michael Cavalier, Jamar Scott. Good morning. Appreciate you. Tell that um, lovely family. Hello. Chuck Hunt as well. And uh, Henry Thurman is watching. Appreciate it. Uh, Willie Bolden. He says, how about the guy from Troy? Dunlap. DB for Southern University. Not active. Not active. Uh, I, I don't know what the situation is. I'll try to find out. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a academic issue. Or <coughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to find out. With that being said, I'm not going to take a timeout, or should I take a timeout? But my next guest is uh, Coach Van Petaway, uh, the Coles Browns basketball analyst. we got a couple of things to talk about. So what I'll do, I will take a timeout. There you go. i got to be uh, more consistent. When I come back, I'll visit with uh, Coach Van Petaway here on the Coles Browns show. We'll be back after this quick timeout. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. number two of the Carlos Brown show right here on the Black College Sports Network. It's been a couple of weeks since I talked to this young man. He is Coach Van Petaway. Coach, good morning to you. Good morning, Carlos. I hope everybody's, uh, I'm doing fine here in Huntsville. It's a great, beautiful Saturday morning. Well, Coach, it's been raining cats and dogs in Baton Rouge. 
Coach, I, it, it all evens out in the long run, but uh, rain, moisture, and humidity. And uh, right now it's not raining, but it's 60% or better of rain all of next week. So you got to adjust and go with the flow, Coach. Well, yeah, so that, you know, that's going to affect football all over the SWAC because I think Mississippi was hit hard. Uh, we Here in Huntsville, we were watching uh, uh, some of the footage of uh, the flooding that's going on, and I was wondering how that was ex- affecting uh, Jackson State and their preparation for their season opener. So uh, it, it's just a rough time. But in athletics, uh, we as coaches and as players, we have to make adjustments. And so – I, I think our, our teams in the SWAC, they'll make the, the necessary adjustments. Well said. Yeah, you have to. You, you really have to. couple of things I want to talk with you about, Coach Petaway. One, and we kind of mentioned it last week on the show, that there was going to be a press conference in uh, Huntsville, Alabama A&M, was going to decide on a director of athletics, and they did. Mr. Bryant, Paul Bryant, uh, is chosen to uh, lead the Department of Athletics for Alabama A&M. Um, Coach, give us your thoughts and perspective on the hire by Alabama A&M. Well, I'm excited for the hire. I, I think our, our committee, uh, if you listen to our president, they took their time. They didn't rush into it, and uh, they, they wanted to make sure that they had the right fit for the program. And so I guess we – as Coach Saban said, we got to trust the process. You know, they took the time to uh, come up with a person. Uh, he, Coach uh, Paul Bryan is, is familiar with the SWAT. Uh, you know, he had a tenure at Gramlin. Uh, he's also been in South Carolina State. He's coming to Alabama mm-hmm. A&M from Edward Waters, a Division II school uh, that is now in the, CI, in, in the SIAC. But, uh, you know, he, he's well-traveled. Uh, he know he knows what he's doing. I was really excited. I had an opportunity to watch the uh, the press conference, and he seems to be excited and energetic and ready to roll up his sleeves and go to work. And he feels that uh, Alabama A and M is a gold mine, and it is. It, it's a it's it's one of the shining stars. Uh, we just got to he just got to get in there, roll his sleeves up, uh, get the support of the coaches, be a great fundraiser, and I think he'll be okay. But the biggest thing is on our level, fundraising is the big key because mm-hmm. uh, when you when you start talking about even your revenue sports, they all need additional dollars. But I think the big key to have a successful athletic program, you got to bring those other sports in line. Uh, you, you know, your, your other Olympic sports, your non-revenue sports, they have to have a, a, a piece of the pie that will allow them to have a, a outstanding program. So, Fundraising is the key, and uh, hopefully he'll hit the ground running and he'll do, get, do the things necessary to make sure that Alabama A&M does have uh, an opportunity uh, to be well-respected in the SWAC and around this country. Fundraising is key. I absolutely agree. And, Coach, help me out. Huntsville, the largest growing city in Alabama, you'll get to make uh, have relationships also, I would think from the outside looking in, the strong points of the athletic program uh, will be football. Uh, basketball has a new arena coming online that you can use for multiple 
uh, events. Uh, baseball is is probably a sport that they want to uh, update. But then uh, men's basketball, great coach that we got a chance to talk with on the show. And then quietly as it's kept, women's basketball, I, I think, is done admirable at Alabama and m So he does have the pieces to work with. And um, Huntsville, the population, what exactly is the population of the, of the metro population? Well, we're, we're up around 300,000. We're now the largest city, uh, the number one city in the state of Alabama. Uh, okay. I, I think that the biggest thing that we got going for us is, you know, we this is a tech city. This, this is technology is a big thing here. You got uh, NASA. You got the Space and Rocket Center. Uh, the FBI headquarters is coming this way. Uh, the, the Air Force is making a a, a, a a trek into Huntsville. So you got a lot of things to to. And he's just got to get out and, and tap the community. He's got to get out and uh, and knock on some doors to get the money's out there. We got to come up with a strategy to get more of that those dollars coming towards uh, Alabama and there. Uh, you know, you you competing with another uh, with a Division two school. Uh, school across town, uh, Alabama Huntsville. That right now their enrollment is about ten thousand students, and see that's where we got to go. That we, we yeah. got to set our sights higher. Uh, we need to get up into that ten thousand uh, student range. And I, I think when you can attract more students, uh, and it, you, if your athletic programs are functioning well, you can attract more students, and it's just a win-win for everyone. So uh, he's got his work cut out for him. But here's the big thing. In the state of Alabama, he's got the right name. You know, everybody knows about Paul Bryant. You know, just the other one, the one that the one that that, <laughs> that, uh, that built the Crimson Tide. So he, so name recognition. He's got the name. He, he's just got to go out and 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 uh, and and use that name to his advantage and and get into some of these doors. And I think he'll be okay. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, he's got to hit the ground running because, you know, your football team plays in, in you know, Thursday. Uh, your soccer team is always doing – it's already underway. I know I think our, our soccer team is like two and one. They they beat Troy and uh, they won a game. The, the They beat Mercer and they beat Troy. So they, they beat uh, two, two nice teams. They're two and one. They lost their first game of the year. And I had an opportunity to, uh, to meet those ladies uh, – and to meet those parents because I was involved in uh, their arrival on campus. And we got a chance to meet and greet those parents. And so uh, the soccer program, the women's soccer program, will be another uh, team that, that, you know, I have adopted and to, to see them, just to see them get out of the gate at with two and one. Uh, I, I think that's great. So uh, Paul Bryan has a lot of good things going in, in his favor. Uh, our volleyball team, I think they're out. Uh, playing off in a tournament. So things are running and he's got to hit the ground running because the students are in, the, the school has started. And so now it, it, it's just a, a matter of everybody waiting on Thursday for the football team to uh, to kick off. And I think everything would be all right on the hill. Um, and they start off with some tough opponents. Uh, colleague Brian Fulford has, a, uh, Fulford has a question for you. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, he's a co-host of the OG Strike Zone right here on the uh, Black College Sports Network. He says, ask coach how 
Their search committee selected an AD three times faster than FAMU, who lost their AD two months before. And, and for the record, uh, Brian Fulford is a Florida and m graduate alum. Well, I think I think they, they were able to do that because our president made it a priority. You, when you look at you look at that press conference, you had two out-of-state board members to show up for that press conference. So it was a priority. Uh, the board was behind our president. He didn't want to move too fast because at first they were looking at about two weeks. The thing ended up being almost two months, uh, you know, since Brian Hicks uh, uh, moved over to the, to the SWAC office. So they took their time. And maybe uh, I think maybe perhaps at FAMU, uh, they might be looking at other areas. And maybe so it, 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 they have to take their time to make sure that they get the right person in there. I think at most of these HBCUs, things are going to be different at each institution. It was just a priority number one at Alabama A&M to get an athletic director or to name one. And then if, if they didn't feel comfortable with what with the candidates that they had, they would have stayed with an interim because that was already on the table. So I, I just think that maybe uh, I, I'm not familiar with what's going on at Florida A&M as to why it's taking so long. Uh, I, I think uh, it could be a financial issue. Maybe they still owe the previous athletic director. They can't double up those salaries. You know, a lot of times that's the big cause at, at most of our institutions. That's why you have gaps. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I'm not, I'm not a part of that. I just hope that uh, I hope they stay in a flux until the Bulldogs can get down there and get out of Tallahassee with a win in football. So, you know, it, you know, with, with them being uh, – in the swag and arrival now and a big game coming up. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be at that game. I'm, I'm already made plans to be in Tallahassee. So I hope they're still in flux so that everything is, is off kilter and Coach Simmons won't have them ready to play so that the Bulldogs can get in there and get out with them. <laughs> oh, make my trip God. a lot better, Carlos. It'll make my trip a lot better if we can eat, get in there and get one. Uh-oh, win. You want to win at all costs, uh, Coach Alabama and them. I would just say two words, high priority. I think for right. AM, it was high priority. For FAMU, I'm on the outside looking in and just, you know, talking to Brian and uh, other FAMU graduates. They, they are not happy about the whole situation. And when uh, Courtney Gauthier, former uh, vice president of athletics, was, was let go, it wasn't a sense of urgency to – get his replacement in. And a lot of alum loved Coach, well, Coach Courtney Gauthier. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting situation. I, I really feel for uh, the FAMU alum and graduates. But the sun will rise again for FAMU. Now, hey, let's Carlos, turn. you know, Carlos, uh, one, 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 one quick thing, another note on, on the hiring of Paul Bryant. You do know he has a basketball background, right? So now if yes. you look at the athletic directors, if you look at the athletic directors in this in this conference now, basketball, right, right. There are quite a few. And so you just added to that, that list of athletic directors who have basketball in their background. Yeah. And they got to be even killed because, look, They'll probably have an eye pointing over to basketball <laughs> with a basketball <laughs> background. Um, I, 
I, I, I caught one time Coach Banks in um, a game two years ago. He was he had gotten out of his seat. It was at the end of the ball game. Southern won, but it was like, oh, I'm not the coach anymore. And he sat right. back down. But he got so involved. Once it's in your blood, it's there, coach. Right, right. And then the other thing is, is you know, as basketball coaches, we, you know, you have to make quick decisions. You got to make decisions on the fly. And I think that that helps sometime in administration. Uh, when, when things hit you at, at the last minute, because uh, in your profession, you were able to make decisions on the fly. I think that helps sometimes. So that might be the trend now, but but we are loaded with athletic directors who have that basketball background. And I think it's great. I think it's awesome. It, it, it is. Maybe one day we'll have more of that ADs with a baseball background. But that'll be interesting, but it, it's still fun. I, they, they have a tough job. They really do. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times they hear it from alums. You know, and, and, and they kind of like they have to be balanced. You know, they have people they have to answer to, but then they are expected to make quick and tough decisions. So with that being said, got about three more minutes. Kevin Durant, that right. issue has finally been settled. I'm not going to say that I'm surprised, but he's staying with Brooklyn. <coughs> Nets, and I'm just glad my team didn't bankrupt the team and turn over the roster to try to get the Slim Reaper, Kevin Durant. Right. But uh, your thoughts on that? Well, well Carlos, I, I think, you know, we said this uh, back when, when I was with you guys last, that I felt like as time went on that Kevin Durant would have no choice but to come back because I, I think what has really happened the market w- was blown out of kilter when Utah did what they did with Gobert. I mean, to, there was no way that other teams w- would be able to match the offer that he got. And when you look at personnel, G- Rudy is a defensive player. Kevin Durant is is might be the best all-around player in the game. So if, if they would give up all of that for Gobert, that meant that the ceiling, there was no ceiling for Kevin Durant, and no team would be able to to match or give Brooklyn what they actually wanted when you look at the market. So they messed themselves up. So uh, he, the, the Brooklyn team now has to make sure that mentally they're ready to play Durant, Urban if he's going to be there, all three of those guys got to get together and say, "Hey, man, let's play. Let's do what we we what we were hired to do." Because with a new four year contract, it was hard moving that many dollars, and to, the compensation that was the big key. They were not going to get what they what they wanted to replace him. So the best thing was, "Hey, let's figure out a happy medium. Let's figure out how you can remain here because we're not getting rid of our GM. We're not getting rid of our coach. We want you to be a part of it." And let's sit down and work this out. And they did it, and I'm happy to see that. I'm happy for the sport, man. We we got to stop all of this. These, these guys holding these uh, these team hostage because you know they get their feelings hurt or their ego gets in the way for whatever reason he had for wanting to get out of there. I'm glad it's been resolved for the game of basketball. 
And you know what else? I, I agree, Coach. And now in the future, the CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, now the – Yep. Well, the league is like, we got to make sure we have something in place that this doesn't happen again. That is going to be an interesting right. fight. It, it really is. Right. Well, Coach, have you um, done any fishing lately, or is it going to be time to go get some fish? Because I'm going to put my order in for some fish. Well, uh, there's always good fishing, man. We, You know, when, when the weather gives, a, gives us a break, we get out there on that water, and we'll be doing the same thing again next week. We'll, we'll uh, sneak out there a couple of days and get us some um, in. Uh, that's one of the most relaxing things that you can do. Uh, it's, it's very competitive. It's you against them. And, and uh, it's very relaxing for me being on the water. So I love fishing. I love to eat fish, Coach. <laughs> I, I'm not good at I'm not good at fishing. Um, I, I've only tried it a few times in my uh, adult life, but maybe I need to give it a give it a second chance. Guess what? One thing about water: there's a lot of water in South Louisiana. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, it is uh, a lot of water. Coach, to you and your family, stay blessed. Continue to be safe and. Uh, we will talk again real soon. I'm sure something basketball is going to gonna, uh, hop up very soon, but uh, we'll get you back on. It doesn't just have to All talk right. about basketball. It could be anything we like hearing from. Well, Carlos, uh, thank you. Continue to uh, keep up the good work, and uh, everybody be safe, and God bless. God bless. Thank you, Coach. That was Coach Van Petaway here on the Carlos Brown Show. Going to take a quick time out when I come back. The Dean, the Dean of HBCU Sports, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, joins me next. I'm going to get his thoughts and perspective. I guess I'll get my uh, pen and paper, get ready to take some notes. Uh, I'm going to class. The lecture will start. He's going to join me next on the Carlos Brown Show, kind of talk about the impact of HBCU Go, uh, Byron Allen's media group, the impact on Black College Sports. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon, so now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, 
mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Newman College is an HBCU in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we prepare students for a different world. Stillman is a college of distinction for last year and this year. Our largest majors are business and biology, followed closely by psychology, criminal justice, and history for pre-law, communications, English, and religion. Our newest degree programs are in the Department of Computational Sciences, which covers cybersecurity, data analytics, and math. The Biomedical Academy prepares students for competitive entry into health professions and graduate programs. We have established summer biomedical research internships with major research institutions, such as the University of Alabama, Drexel and Temple Universities in Philadelphia, the Salk Institute in San Diego, California, and the Universities of Florida, Indiana, and Iowa. We became creative with social distancing and masks for the pandemic. Our students enjoy movie nights at the stadium and the new Melissa and Davis Legacy Courtyard where you can eat and enjoy friends. We have the Divine Nine Greek Letter Organizations, student government leadership and ambassadors. Our small class sizes, nurturing faculty, and friendly environment let you know that Black Lives Matter at Stillman College each and every day. Applications are free. Sign up at discover.stillman.edu. Complete the contact card and apply today. Stillman College, where we prepare students. For a different world. This week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Joined now by the Dean. That's that's enough. Simply say the Dean, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Dr. Cavill, good morning to you, sir. I appreciate you uh, making some time out to come on the Carlos Brown Show. How you doing, sir? Good morning. It's good to be here. How's it going this morning? Been listening to the show. Well, it's going fast, uh, special time on, on this Saturday, but next Saturday we'll be back to our regular schedule. T- 
time, but um, a lot going on in the uh, HBCU landscape. We're going to kind of get your <laughs> thoughts on a couple of things. I told you one assignment, but I'm going to throw another one on there, but I, I, I know you can handle it. Um, I guess before we get to our, our main uh, part of the discussion, of course, uh, FAMU uh, with their football roster and uh, ineligible players. So that whole situation, um, get your response to that, uh, the situation that happened with FAMU, which is just, you know, unbelievable. And I really feel uh, for FAMU alums and uh uh, graduates and supporters. Yes, yeah, certainly. As, as fans of HBCU sports, obviously a swag, um, we tend to really wear these things on our shoulder probably more than the average fan of any uh, collegiate or professional sporting uh, entity or even on the interscholastic level uh, for that matter. Um, but it really gets to the point when you boil this down, and I'm really not one of those that like to point the fingers uh, openly in terms of leadership, uh, whether that's at the uh, athletics department level or um, at the presidential level. But in a lot of ways, and I think the president, by his statement, um, owned that. So it's easier for mm-hmm. me to do it here. That this is a statement in regards to the commitment of the um, president, chancellor of an institution, and understanding the gravity uh, in terms of finances. Now, before we go to an institutional level, there's one thing that I would regret if I didn't put this out there. This is another example, and we cannot talk enough about this. We cannot allow this to escape. This is another example of the deprivation of resources that state legislatures have done to HBCUs for years. So those appropriations uh, that we have seen actually from a legal perspective. So I'm not just saying this because uh, I'm, you know, somebody that is frustrated. This is legally have been proven through the court system. uh, If you want to look at that uh, process where there have been uh, legislative court awards of money that was not going to HBCU public institution for years, upwards to, you know, half a billion dollars. That is significant. You can't just wash that away and act as if that has not affected the growth of these institutions, which means the appropriation of the uh, faculty and do pay for faculty, which obviously pays a lot in terms of the students, um, the human resource areas in terms of manpower, which gets us back to the issue here. This is a manpower issue in regards to how many folks do you have physically uh, in positions to work uh, the network between academics and athletics for the governance process of being uh, NCA institution operating at the Division One FCS level. And that falls on the president uh, to set up the framework to make sure that there's adequate uh, resources in that area and make sure that there's timing, timely hiring of individuals when they leave for whatever reason, uh, paying that. And then secondarily, it falls on the uh, athletic administrator uh, to make sure that they are making the argument in such a way that the president understands 
and or chancellor of why it is important uh, to support this. And third, I would point that finger right back at me in terms of alumnus of an institution to make sure that we are doing our part of paying into the resources for an institution. So those are the four different levels that I would look at um, that puts us in a position of what you saw taking place this past weekend. And, and Dr. Cavill, we, we, we've seen this uh, before. Me and you would, would talk um, of, about the situation, and I thought about what, you know when Southern University had their, their issues, and there were minimal people in the process as far as compliance. And now we, we put up a graph courtesy of uh, Beck, Mr. Beckton, um, who put a, a tweet out about the, the, the number of manpower in our, our HBCUs as far as in the compliance. Southern kind of learned a, a valuable and hard lesson and they were able to add from one to now four. Question, Dr. Cavill, even, and that's an upgrade, but how about even more? And then finding those personnel that, that you know, really uh, have an interest and a expertise in that field, that area, excuse me, and then trying to, uh, you know, get more of them and pay them uh, a good salary. Yeah, that's an excellent question in regards to understanding that. And obviously for somebody that would want it, uh, I'd be wrong to say that asking for more is not something that you need. But I want us to be careful. It's not just about getting more. And I saw that tweet, and I think it was an excellent tweet in regards to breaking down the numbers. But I responded to that tweet in, this morning after seeing it and added on the fact that we need to be careful because it's not just compliance. Uh, one of the things that we have a bad habit of, of looking at an individual or an individual area, when these things happen, it's across the board. framework that goes on. It's not just one area. It's multiple areas of failures that have taken place. Um, there is also a partnership and compliance that deals with um, student welfare or what they call, you know, academic um, programs within that athletic department. So there's a partnership between compliance, athletic academic enhancement, if you want to call it as they do in some areas. And then the third area is the register office. These areas work in a triangular effort uh, to make it all work. So it's not just compliance. We have to be careful there. So I asked him if he would do that same type of project and look in the academic assessment or enhancement area to see what the numbers are. Because you might have three in compliance, but have four in the academic enhancement, and then somebody in the registrar's office, and that's a total of eight. That's significant. Versus, let's say that you have four in compliance and three in academic enhancement. When you look at those total areas, if you're talking about six to eight, nine folks, then that can be significant in terms of getting the job done. So it's not just about one particular area, it's the multiplicity, if you would, of all those areas and how they work in concert with each other. And another issue is making sure that there's somebody that has some legacy in those areas. Um, mm -hmm. And so there's some cross-training for the next individual to, 
to move up. We have to understand that um, in athletics that it's a churning, it's a natural churning area because people are looking for their next opportunity. And it's not always about how much you pay somebody, it's about their ability for growth. So you either have to build in growth in that department where people can grow to their next achievement level or they're going to grow and leave out, which is fine. That is what happens in athletics. You know, you have assistant mm -hmm. coaches, they go to head coaches. You talked about that little area. That's no different between somebody that works in SID. Most people don't want to be an SID for 10, 15 years uh, sitting there. Even if they're getting raises, they want an opportunity to enhance their career, look at different things they're doing. So you have to build that in into the model, whether it's cross-training where they do multiple things or it's providing them areas for academic growth where they can become associate, assistant athletic directors, and looking for them opportunities so you have a tree, just like we talk about coaches, that you have athletic administrations with trees where these folks go out and get other jobs. Well, when they do that, you have to have a backfilling mechanism so that you're not always going outside, that there's some opportunities where you have growth up within your organization. And why that is important is because they know how you operate. They understand the culture. Mm -hmm. You do not always want to be starting from a new when you bring people in. That is a lot of lag time when you bring people in. It's not because they're not necessarily good. Uh, it's because they have to get up to speed. Well, that's a lot of wasted time when talking about business and athletics, which never stops. So it's about understanding the concert, if you would, right, uh, of the ensemble, ensemble of a whole orchestra of athletics. How does it all work together? You know, when we go to these uh, choir concerts, it's about everybody singing together that makes the beautiful music. We have to stop looking at this in terms of isolation and pointing the finger at one. Because remember, when you point that finger, there are three coming back at you. So when I talk to my students about understanding athletics and going into leadership, it's about understanding how do you create the partnership. And this is really leadership in any organization. For those that study this or look at this or understand it, they'll know what I'm talking about. This is no difference in any organization you become an e uh, leader. It's about taking people and understanding their traits and their expertise and grooming them such a way that they lean on those expertise improving their weaknesses and developing others to understand the goal that you're trying to achieve and making a plan to get there, the strategic plan. And I would also call it being in the school system now for year two, locally professional growth. We have something like that, you know, and teachers, you know, we have a shortage of teachers. You have teacher's aid and there's an opportunity to professionally grow for those who want to become teachers. That's a tough job. <laughs> That's a oh, tough no, job. I mean, uh, I'm a teacher at heart when <laughs> you talk about a Broccoli person is at a college level, but when you talk about the heart, that's one of the bottom line things that I have to be able to do. You know, I talk about lecturing, but the bottom part of it is teaching and why I come on these shows and do my own show. And, and it's earnest, if you melt it down, that's really what I do in terms of ours. We entertain, but it's so much about teaching, teaching the business of sport from an entertainment perspective, understanding the culture of HBCUs, right? The sports culture pedagogy, as I like to put it now. Uh, Y'all get ready because there's a shirt coming out with that. You know, I'm also, 
a capitalist since we live in a capitalistic society. So I understand. Uh, uh, I yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, let, you're let right. Put that out there. And that'll get us as we turn and start talking about a little of the money in terms of the television. But before we do that, to your point, the teaching education system is a perfect example. One of the things that has always concerned me as I moved over from engineering to education, education is one of the few disciplines out there where people that are not in the field that have not been trained teachers in terms of pedagogy, pedagogists mm -hmm. um, are on boards that govern education. You will not see a dentist uh, making decisions for other dentists out there that, ne that never has been in the practice. Engineering, uh, medical doctors, right? You'll never see that in those areas. Psychologists at the highest level, you don't see people on the board of psychologists not making decisions for it. Education, unfortunately, is only one. And there's a history to that. I won't waste your time right. on that. But when you look at it now, that is a major concern when you have folks that are not experts in their field making decisions uh, on the field in regards to wondering why we don't have the growth and the trouble we have in. And one of those things is, again, you have to understand of how you pay teachers accordingly for their expertise. And when you have a master teacher, do not let them teach out to become principals or whatever. Pay them accordingly so they want to stay in the classroom versus them getting out because the money dictates that there's more money becoming a superintendent or principal, right? Uh, going into higher education. And so that's yeah. why you lose people again. You have to pay them accordingly, but groom them in positions where you award them for their expertise. In the academic profession of higher education, you know, you can come in as an adjunct professor. Y'all hear me joke, but I'm doing that to educate folks about what does higher education look like for being a professor. So I come in talking about whether you're an adjunct, a clinical professor, a visiting professor, right? Or a assistant professor with tenure or on the tenure track, becoming associate professor with tenure, becoming a professor with tenure, right? Those are all the different levels of how you move up the tenure track and have a governance structure about your expertise for the most part uh, in higher education. So these are important frameworks to understand the governance structure of hierarchy. What does that look like uh, when you had just said uh, in any profession, how do you provide people with the opportunity to cross train and move up uh, in their expertise? If well, you want to keep good people. You can see I made notes while, hey, while thank you were you. talking. Um, and and, and we'll, we'll be able to talk a, a, a little bit more. Um, oh, yeah. You know, wow. we all you know talk what? offline. I appreciate those conversations. You think I'm teaching yes, you, sir. but. Uh, people don't realize I get so much back by the question because it makes me make sure that I'm doing my work to understand and deliver answers that people can understand. So I appreciate it. No, I appreciate uh, having you on. You're never um, too old to learn. You're always learning something uh, new. So I, I, I knew to have my Beautiful. pen and paper handy uh, to uh, make some, some notes um, quickly because we got about a few minutes left. Um, sure. I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on the importance of the Allen Media Group, uh, HBCU Go, and um, there. I know you can't. The answer could could be twenty minutes long. I understand that, but <laughs> just a uh, basic, quick answer to that: the impact of that. The short it is the yeah. It's I put it this way. It is the most impactful decision that has come to HBCU 
sports athletics, if you would, um, since the beginning of sports. It is that big. Is that changing uh, in terms of HBCU since you had the formation of conferences? Is that significant? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to ask right now that we will definitely get you back on uh, next next week. I don't know what your schedule is because I know it's it's going to be week one in college football, but we, we, we must set aside some time uh, to to kind of go e- even further in the specifics because it, it, it it's huge and you know and I and I I'm able to watch on social media and the the, the conversations back and forth about the swag and for us uh, the, the their contracts and what they're trying to do as far as the the brand and the content and all of that I I really do be watching but that's not my expertise so. My thing is to get someone on who can kind of explain it specifically, the advantages. And I, I see sometimes that something is a disadvantage, but I try to look at the advantages, the pros, and you look at the cons, but most of the, the, the pros, because to me, from the outside looking in, I thought it was just huge, Dr. Cavill. What the, the no, you're, you're and, absolutely correct. Yeah. It's huge. And you're right. You need to look at the pros and the cons, but there are more pros with this, obviously. Um, this is the largest deal that we've seen at the FCS level, without a question. There's no other conference that's even close. It's so large that it gets into the G5 area where um, the conference members uh, will be taking home more annual pay than just about all the G5 uh, member conferences. So it's that significant that you're getting into the FBS level. And so anybody that understands that payouts are usually uh, more than that. And then you got to remember that this is essentially a secondary deal, right? So you had right. this uh, originally when you had the exclusionary deal, um, credit to Dr. Charles McCullough and the commission of the SWAC that he was able to get some of that inventory back. That was not an easy task because the contract with ESPN originally talked about that they had exclusionary rights, that they had all the rights. And somehow he was able to get them to understand that them warehousing the rights was not enough for the SWAC. Um, And so now you have essentially a contract that allows a primary rights, which is ESPN. They essentially get first pick. And now you're going to have HBCU go through uh, uh, the Byron Allen Media Group, right? Uh, That will Mm -hmm. get secondary rights. So not only do you need to look at what is the payout for the secondary rights, you got to add that to whatever the conference already gets for the primary rights. So now it's total. So you got secondary rights that are more than what I just told you about those other groups. Now you got to add on what ESPN is paying. And when that contract comes up, you know everything is trajectory upward. So whether you take it out for bid or go back with ESPN, what they're going to pay is going to be more. So you're talking about in uh, literally five maybe shorter, but at least five to seven years, you're talking about a conference that is taking on significant money. Uh, you know, I can see anywhere from like $2.5 million to $3 million essentially going out to each school. Um, and that's just estimates that I've seen with numbers around there. So it could be even more than that, but that's probably pretty conservative that each conference had. And think about this uh, with that. Sorry to be too long with that, but think about this. Mississippi Valley's overall 
uh, operating revenue is like 3.5, if they're able to get another $3 million, that's essentially doubling the impact of what they do and whatever they're able to commit to the operational budget. That is outstanding. Dr. Cavill, on that note, appreciate it. Let's see if we can get you back next week with a little more allotment of time because what you're talking about is very important. want to thank all of the guests on today's show, uh, Melody Producing. Make sure you tune in next Saturday at our regular scheduled time at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time for the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. Thank you.